Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Double Play Podcast. In today's episode, Ryan and I are going to be talking about some struggles in the Western Division with the Astros and the Dodgers, as well as some players that are off to hot starts that we believe can keep it up. But without further ado, let's get into it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Double Play. I'm Jack, and I'm joined by my sublime co-host, Ryan Donahue, and today we're going to be talking about a myriad of different topics, but before we get into them, Ryan, it's been another great week of games. How have you enjoyed this, now we're two weeks into the season, how have you enjoyed it? It, It's always fun to watch baseball, and I'm so happy that it's back. The Dodgers, you know, not doing the way I want them to do, but we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but it's been fun to watch baseball, I'm glad it's back, Uh, just seeing so many different teams, uh, I love day games to procrastinate during class and watch that, but baseball is just so fun to watch. I'm excited it's back. We got studious student Ryan Donahue over here. Um, I hope your mom's not listening. But anyways, yes, you mentioned that we're going to talk about the Dodgers later on. We're also going to talk about the Astros, who have a mini World Series hangover that we're going to get into in a minute, and then we're going to end it with a segment that we wanted to start, Three Hot, One Not, which is we're going to take three players that are off to real hot starts this season and that we think can sustain it the entire year, and also one player that's not having a great start that we really expect to bounce back and see some kind of positive regression. But Ryan, let's start it off by talking about the Astros, because they're kind of having a little mini hangover. They're 6-7 and seven at the time of this recording. They've only won one series, which was just recently against the Tigers in a three-game set. They split a four-game split a four-gamer against the White Sox and then lost two of three to each the Tigers and the Twins. So not the start that the Astros envisioned. And so just kind of the driving question that I want to ask you is, what is wrong with Houston, and are you very concerned? Not not super concerned. Uh, you know, we talk about it's it's kind of a World Series hangover a little bit for them, and uh, not really concerned for them in the start to the year. Uh, it sucks for Astros fans. It's definitely frustrating. Uh, but you know the concern for early season struggles would be, are they going to make the playoffs? And that's kind of what you see in a team like the Phillies that we talked about uh, in last week's kind of videos. And that's kind of a concern because coming into the year, that's a team that we thought were the third wildcard team and you know a slow start means they're on kind of the edge of that wildcard spot but in the Astros this is a team that we were pretty sure was going to make the playoffs and kind of fairly confident that they were going to win the division as well and when you look at the division uh you know six and seven is not that bad of a start uh you know we, we believe that they would do better and and kind of it's not ideal but uh, we kind of believe they'd win the division by a comfortable margin like I said you, you got the Mariners who are also struggling at five and eight, so even worse than that. And the two teams above it are both the Angels and the Rangers at seven and five, only a game and a half up. So it, it's not really concerning. Obviously, it's not the start you want to have, but uh, for me, I, I think they'll be fine. They're still going to be in in the playoffs, and probably still atop that division, just because I mean it's so close. You're not falling behind too far early in the season. You don't have ground to make up really, and I, they're so battle tested in the playoffs. Once they get there, there's there's really no concern that they're gonna that they could make a run, and they probably are going to maybe make a run. Uh, so slow starts not that bad. Yeah, they're about two innings away from being eight and five instead of six and seven. To Ryan Presley, who 
you know, we watched throughout the World Baseball Classic and the postseason last year, and I was like, this is one of the more lockdown closers that we've got in the game. But he's over two on save opportunities. He's blown two games. He's got a nine ERA. I think it was the opener against the White Sox, and then also the game that they lost to the Pirates. Another game in the Pirates, he gave up a walk-off home run. So a guy who has not been performing the way that they want him to, and that can really swing a game early in the year. So you don't want to overreact too much. I mean, they brought the win to about eight innings and then just gave it up in the ninth inning. So they could very easily be eight and five, which I think we'd be looking at that record a little bit differently. But some other players who were struggling, you've got Jose Abreu in his first season, 55 at-bats. He's got a 666 OPS. They've got two guys with a 672 OPS. That's Jeremy Pena and Alex Bregman. Uh, and then Luis Garcia, who for them, I, I think is either their three or four starter, but he's got a seven ERA. He's only thrown nine innings this year. So those are some of the guys that are struggling, but you don't look up and down the lineup and see that everyone's struggling. So it it is kind of weird to diagnose where this comes from, and my guess is it's it's from the bullpen. Yeah, it's kind of it it's it sucks to have bullpen struggles because obviously if you see your team hit throughout the game, you see kind of a, a starter turn in a good start, and you're you're in position to win a game in the bullpen. I mean that's one of the more frustrating things from team perspective, fan perspective, a- anything. So the the Astros, uh, the team who. It's not really characteristic of them, I'll say, to to struggle in the bullpen and give away games, with given just how experienced they are and how how well they are managed and coached, just top down. It's just not characteristics. Just, I mean, it's baseball. Sometimes guys won't perform. So, over the course of a long season like we have in baseball, it sucks. You want to win games that you have a chance to win, but uh, in over the course of one sixty two, it's not going to really really be cause for. Cause for concern. Yeah, and you look, they've got a plus 13 run differential, which you don't normally see a positive run differential for teams that are under 500. Under 500, It means they're winning by a good amount and they're losing by really razor-thin margins. So I think that you can feel pretty fine about them. And I wanted to put some context in because I, I truly believe the World Series hangover is a thing. I mean, teams regularly have a slow start after winning a World Series or even playing in a World Series, which we mentioned with the Phillies last week. The Braves started 7-10 and 10 last year, and really they went the first two months and were right around a 500, maybe even a below 500 team, and they really struggled out of the gate before obviously turning it on. Uh, and the Astros last year, after playing in the World Series, started 8-8, eight and eight, and you know a lot of people doubted them. I know we were talking, wow, could the Angels win, this, win the division this year? And I regret that. I bet most people who doubted the Astros regret that because they still eventually went, went on to win the World Series. So if they win two of their next three games, they'll be in the same spot they were last year where everyone doubted them, and yet they still went on to win the World Series. So uh, I, I'm still feeling good about the Astros. I think the lineup, some of these guys that we mentioned that are struggling, will come back around. I mean, Bregman's heating up. Abreu needs to settle into a new team. And I, th- I think the pitching has still been good enough that I'm not really concerned about the Astros, so I'm not going to budge from having them as my World Series pick this early in the season. Absolutely. And obviously, if you guys watch, but I didn't have them to win the World Series, but I, I still not going to budge from them winning that division. And, uh, you know, as for the players, you can look kind of at a snapshot of what is this, uh, 12 ga- 13 games that they're at right now. Uh, you can look at any 13-game snapshot over the course of the year, and you're going to see players that played better and some players that played worse. And obviously, when you look at the beginning of a season and you see that Alex Bregman's hitting 196, that's a little like, well, why, why is he doing that? But it, you're just going to go through stretches like that in the season. It just so happens that some of these guys are going through some of those stretches at the beginning of the year. Some guys are just slower starters than others to get going. So 
as long as you can kind of maintain that 500 for a little bit before you kind of piece it together, uh, that's fine. Like I said, you don't want to fall back too far. And especially when you're in a division that's currently, you're only game and a half back behind teams that you were expected to pretty comfortably finish in front of. It's not that concerning for the Astros. And I I think we're going to see them bounce back soon. And, you know, if they did miss the playoffs, that'd be funny for me. I'll just say that. I think, I mean, you mentioned the like the 13-game snapshot for players. You look at Bregman's 196 batting average, but then it also doesn't show that this past week in the series against the Pirates, he had two home runs, he had a big double, I think he had another extra base hit. So even players that are heating up over their smaller stretches, those numbers aren't really recognized. So I would take all stats that you're seeing so far this season with a grain of salt, unless it's maybe percentile base, something like that. But you've got guys that are still figuring out their swing. People that are getting unlucky, that does not come through over this uh, small of a sample size. It doesn't kind of come back to the mean, as we might talk about a little bit later. So stats are a really weird thing this early in the season. And I assume that these these hitters that have always been elite, I think they're going to be just fine. And now let's move on. The Dodgers are struggling a little bit this year. They're not off the, to the greatest start, especially in the division. Kind of the driving question today is, is this what the Dodgers are going to look like in this season? So far, it's kind of been a tale of two teams. They're seven wins, seven lo- or six losses, so they're seven and six currently right now. In their seven wins, they're averaging eight and a half runs a game and giving up only 2.4 runs per game. And then in their losses, they're averaging three runs a game and giving up six and a third runs per game. So offense overall hasn't really been the problem. They're second in runs scored. Uh, they're hitting well for the most part. The guys who maybe you expected to have a slower start, Miguel Rojas, wasn't brought in for his office. offense. Chris Taylor, we've seen him struggle before, and David Peralta are struggling. But everyone else on who regularly gets at bats is hitting above a 110 WRC plus. And it's kind of led by the familiar faces of Mookie, Freddie, and Will Smith. They're all above a 150 WRC plus. Then also James Outman, who I wanted to shout out, who three home runs, uh, 1.169 OPS, and a 196 WRC plus. It's among other guys who have been hitting well. So. Jack, really, is this what the Dodgers are going to look like in 2023? Just kind of a struggling team? Maybe they win some, they lose some? No, they're a better team than this. Um, but I will say that I think that some of the smaller things that we've seen will linger on through the rest of the season. Now, I'm not sure I can say anything bad about the Dodgers. They just uh, they humiliated the Giants in the three-game series. They got shut out one game and still you came away with the feeling that they, the Giants just got absolutely dominated. Uh, Max Muncie came in, I think, hitting in the 120s and hit four home runs and two doubles. So not much I can say about it. But I will just say for the entire season, I still think they're a team that's going to be right around where I predicted them, about 100 wins. But I think that you're going to see some of these games where everyone is cold on one night and they get shut out or the offense just doesn't produce and the bullpen isn't good. I think that they're going to have those kind of like blow up nights where they'll lose some games, maybe even some series to teams that they shouldn't because this isn't the the just impossible to beat Dodgers team that we have seen in past years. This isn't a team that's going to win over 110 games. I think this is a team that can win 100, but they're going to lose some head scratchers where it's like, really, the offense was this bad against the Tigers or the Royals, like just randomly out of nowhere. And I think on those nights when everyone's cold, you're going to see them lose some games, which we've seen early in the season. You mentioned they're really good in their wins and they're kind of cruddy in their losses. I think that there will be more wins than losses 
for the most part for the rest of the season. But in the losses, you might see them kind of collapse a bit or everyone might be cold on one night. So I, I don't think this team that we're seeing right now that's just barely above 500 is the Dodgers team we're going to see in 2023. But there are some characteristics that I think will will last for the entire year. I, I, I disagree with you just a, just a little bit in terms of uh, you're going to see those the, those nights where they have boomer bust kind of. And I think maybe you're going to see more than you did in years past of the Dodgers. Obviously, the, the lineup, just look at the names. It's not as uh, star-studded as years past. but And, and every team's going to have those. But I think the boomer bust will just average out over the course of the season. Like I said, they've either all clicked or none clicked. Uh, and they haven't really had anyone kind of take over a game, with the exception of uh, the first game of the Dodgers-Giants series where Dodgers scored nine runs and Muncie had seven of the home runs. Uh, so overall, it, it, it's slightly concerning for me because it hasn't been the offense, really. Uh, you're going to see those nights where they get shut out. Like I said, they only, they're only scoring, I think it was three runs a game in those losses. But the bullpen is a little bit concerning so far. Uh, they're guys who were amazing last year in 2022. Alex Vesia, Yancy Alex Almonte, Evan Phillips, and Bruce Gratterall. All of those guys are struggling, all above a six ERA in the early portion of the year. So uh, it's maybe a little bit of an overreaction. Uh, you look at over the course of the season, you're not going to see all four of those guys have bad years. And then, uh, of all people, uh, Shelby Miller, who, who I think is actually leading the Dodgers bullpen in uh, innings pitched, has a zero ERA. So uh, it, you're going to find those guys who you weren't expecting to do well, uh, pitch well, kind of, I mean, all four of those, uh, maybe with the exception of Gratterall last season, they they weren't really anybody, and they had amazing years for the Dodgers at the bullpen. So you're going to find those guys, and then not all four of those guys are going to struggle. Uh, maybe if you give them one or two uh, who, who kind of have extended slower starts, but not too worried overall with the bullpen. But it, it's just kind of frustrating. If you're not going to have that lockdown bullpen, uh, we talked about this little with, the, with little with the Astros, if you get into a game that you should win, two of those games that they dropped in the opening four-game series against Steinbecks, they had seven innings of one-run or shutout baseball from their starter. It was uh, Dustin May and Syndergaard. They lost both those games two to one. So if you're going to have a game where your starter goes seven shutout and your offense is just cold and they come out and then the bullpen blows it, those are going to be frustrating games to lose, and maybe we see more of those uh, in 2023 for the Dodgers. Just like to mention, they don't have that much star power or as much star power as years past. But I've got faith in the Dodgers kind of coaching staff, pitching staff to fix that over the course of a long season. Is there any part of you that's concerned with how they've played against the division? I mean, you mentioned the Diamondbacks. They've also had series against the Rockies and the Giants. And, you know, I know that they're still above 500, but they haven't been dominating the NL West like they have been in past years. Absolutely. And, uh, for, for a number of reasons, obviously, those are the teams you're very familiar with. You're going to play them a lot. So if you're going to be struggling against those teams, kind of if it's a sign of what's to come and you're around 500 and maybe a couple games more against each team, kind of they, they, like you said, they've dominated before. So if, if you're going to that, that's a lot of games that, that you're going to be, quote unquote, struggling in. So uh, if you're going to give that up and then also if this is a close to close race kind of with whatever team, whether it's the Padres or, I mean, 
Diamondbacks are playing well early to start the season as well. If, if trends continue, which I mean, it's only 13 games, so uh, we're not going to overreact. But uh, if there's teams that you're kind of contending with, those are the tiebreakers. And if you're winning games that you should win, not only in division, which is a tiebreaker, but but head to head. If you, so, if you're going to be dropping games that you should win against teams that you're going to play 13 times a year each, uh, th- that's a good portion of your schedule. So. Obviously, you want to take care of those games, beat your rivals. So it's a little concerning for me. Well, I think, you know, they don't have to be quite as concerned. I think Oracle Park really got them back in their groove, specifically Max Muncy. And they had some some real standouts in that series as well. I, I had Mookie Betts winning the MVP. He looked like just an MVP table setter. It seems like every time he comes up, it's more likely he gets a hit than he doesn't. Same thing you could say about Freddie Freeman. I mean, I know that they don't have those same real big hitters that they've had in the past. Like, Corey Seager's gone, Trey Turner's gone, I hate to remind you, but it still feels like a vaunted lineup. Like, it still feels like anywhere one through nine, if they're coming up, you don't feel good about it if you're an opposing team. And, you know, maybe it tapers off a little bit more towards the end where you've got guys like Miguel Rojas, David Peralta coming up that you're not too concerned about, but you've got Vargas, you have Outman, you have Freeman, you have Betts, Muncie, Will Smith is off to a great start. I know we're going to talk about him a little bit later. It's still a lineup that you feel real concerned about when you're an opposing team pitcher. And also their pitching staff, Julio Arias, Dustin May, Clayton Kershaw, that's about as good as a 1-2-3 one, one, punch that you're going to get. And May's looked fantastic to open the year. Arias has been a Cy Young candidate for the last two years. So if the bullpen starts to buck back up, I really do think this is still a team that will win 100 games and you're still going to feel as concerned going up against them as you are uh, as you have been in the past, at least for other years. I'm not as confident that you that that they'll win 100 games. I mean, I had them at I think it was 95 to go into the year, and it's kind of still where I'm at. Maybe even if I had to budge, maybe even going a little lower. So, don't know about 100 games. Injuries have been an issue as well. You got uh, two guys in your bullpen, uh, Daniel Hudson, Blake Trinan, who's still going to be out for a little longer, but Daniel Hudson, who's coming back from uh, an ACL injury, so two guys that are going to help in the bullpen. And then the five starters been an issue as well with injuries uh, to Pepio and then Gonsolin. Just uh, 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 Michael Grove, uh, name was evading me, is just not getting it done as the five starter. And the guys that I thought maybe could have came up to help, Bobby Miller's hurt right now. Gavin Stone's struggling through his first couple starts in AAA. Uh, I think he had a start where he went like, four innings five runs and it lowered his era on the season it t- tells you how he's how his start to the year has been in triple a so five start has been an issue back into the bullpen's been an issue so and like i said when you're losing games to the division it's going to hurt your record kind of in the long run so it's not a concern for me uh playoffs wise but maybe record wise if you want to go my prediction route because of injuries because of games losing games that they kind of look like they should be winning uh it's gonna trend towards lowering my expectations a little bit but maybe that's just the uh, uh, kind of fan in me like like i was trying to think of the 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 dude from barstool the mets fan who is negative about everything i forget his name but yeah frank frank yeah maybe that's just it's the cynical fan yeah maybe that's just that side of me of saying we suck we need to win these games like 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 him but I, I still think they're they're going to be in the playoffs among that top of the division. If you want a five-starter, I'll give you Ross Stripling for free. I mean, he, 
already given up 50% of the home runs that he did all Jeez. of last year, and they're not even using him as a starter. I, I, I don't quite get it. Uh, a lot of the signings the Giants have made have, have not paid off so far. Um, but you can have him. Maybe I'll trade straight up, stripling for Max Muncy. Pass. Now, I, I, I was thinking that yesterday. I was like, what if Max Muncy's ever a Giant? Like, would he just be like an MVP playing an Oracle for 81 games? <laughs> no, that, that's when he would probably just like suck. Like all, all of a sudden now he just wouldn't be able to hit the ball for crab in Oracle. Uh, but no, if I if you did trade him, I would just put set him in AAA. I don't want to see him in the Giants. Okay. <laughs> um, but let's move on. We're going to talk about a new segment. It's called Three Hot One Not. Ryan came up with the name idea, so all applause should go to him. But we're going to talk about three players who are off the real hot starts to open the year that we believe in to sustain it for the entire year. We're going to talk about one player that's not hot, but that we do believe in still despite their slower start. We each picked one infielder, one outfielder, and one pitcher as our three hot players, and then you can pick whatever position you want for the player who's not off to a hot start. So Ryan, how about you start it off with who you believe is a hot infielder, hot as in having a hot start, that can sustain it over the entire year? I've got, sticking with the Dodgers, I've got Will Smith, who kind of has been recognized as a top three catcher in baseball, uh, kind of at, at sometimes top two. A Real Mute just kind of won, then Adley, the newcomer. But Will Smith has hit, hit 306 with a 1034 OPS, with a 165 WRC plus to open the year. And he's actually never been an all-star, which is kind of the surprising thing. If you look at him, it's been probably three-ish years where people are saying yeah that's a top catcher in baseball and so I'm hoping potentially this hot start he can keep it going I believe in him he's kind of always had the offensive production he's been probably top two offensive production catcher in baseball as well and he's not that bad on defense as, as well so keep this up potentially start the all-star game not just make his first all-star game hopefully he's the starter for the National League that'd be cool to see and I believe in him to sustain it over the year because he, he kind of has done it. It's maybe not like a breakout pick or anything, but uh, maybe not this this successful. But I, I, I think he can sustain a hot start throughout the course of the season, hopefully be an all-star. Yeah, I've always thought with Will Smith, like he's a guy who who, who came up young and, you know, he's he, as of right now, he's he's one of the younger guys. I know he's kind of graduating that tier with other guys like Vargas and Outman coming up. But, I mean, you've got veterans like Mookie Best, Freddie Freeman on the team. But his offensive approach, to me, is just as mature as some of those guys like Betts and Freeman. Like, he is always going to the opposite field. He takes really great at-bats. He's just a pest when he's up there at the plate. But he also is a catcher that has home run power. He can hit the ball down the line into the gap for doubles. I've always been really impressed with Will Smith's uh, approach. And there aren't many guys, you know, as a Giants fan, that I would want at the plate less than Will Smith. I mean... We've named a couple on this episode, but he's another one of those guys where every time he comes to the plate, you feel like he's going to get a hit or he's going to walk some way or another. Um, and with the ability to put the ball over the fence, too, I think that's what really separates him as a catcher. And he's not terrible on defense, so I think he will definitely make his first All-Star game this year. That's the only thing I could hope for. Let's get into your first hot now. Yeah, so my first hot infielder, hot as in hot start um but also hot in general i mean let's give it up for glaber torres two home runs and six rbi to start the year he's got a whopping 231 wrc plus and torres was kind of a, a hitter that i really believed in coming into the year but he's impressed me with how refined his game has been because there's a couple other stats i wanted to highlight he's walking at a 24 percent rate which is really crazy because he's never had a walk per walk per, or a walk rate above 10% in a full season his entire career. And now he's coming out walking just about a quarter of the time. 
and he's stolen five bases as well, which the last two seasons combined to steal 24 bags. He's really kind of rifling around those bases this year. So a player like Glaber, who I believed in as a hitter, being able to walk more, which has always kind of been his crux, like he can't walk all that well, and then also stealing bags, means that he's a lot more valuable. And I think when I was looking at this Yankees lineup, looking for someone other than Judge and Rizzo, like someone else to step up. I believed in Glaber this year. He's had a really great start to the year, and I, I think he can keep it up again. He's got an ex-WOBA in the 93rd percentile, a walk percentage that I mentioned he, that's in the 99th percentile, and he's got 71st percentile average exit velocity. So he's always hit the ball hard. It's just now he's kind of becoming a more refined player, which I'm definitely here for in 2023. And in a season where the Yankees were having these rookies come up and Volpe and Peraza to top-tier shortstop prospects, there was kind of some chatter that maybe one of them would play second base long-term, and maybe Glaber would be on the move, potentially, whether it's onto the bench or onto a different team. There was a lot of trade talks coming. So it it was important for him and the Yankees that he performed so far this year. So uh, it's it's been good to see for him. I, it, he loves being a Yankee, as see some of the quotes I, I mentioned all the time. I'm on Yankee Twitter for some reason, so I get to see all the good and bad side of the Yankees uh, throughout the course of the season. So Glaber, I know they're happy that he's producing. I'm sure Glaber is as well because he loves being a Yankee and he doesn't want to go anywhere. And and I th- I think he is what that middle of the lineup needs because if he's a guy that can turn into a real on base machine, getting on base for some of these guys, Stanton, Judge, Rizzo. He could be, you know, a leadoff hitter that this team needs. And I know the team hit Judge leadoff a couple times last year. But I think Glaber, if he's able to to walk, not even, I mean, he's not going to walk at a 25% rate for the entire season. But if he can walk around 15%, he's already cut his strikeout rate in half to open the year. So if he could turn into one of those players that gets on base by the walk a good amount, he obviously hits the ball hard. He can hit extra base hits. He's got doubles and triples and a couple home runs this year. And if he gets on, he can steal a bag. Like, then all you need is a judge single and, and you've got a run. So I, I really like that the way that Glaber Torres has, has refined his game this year. And I think that with the Yankees offense, it's even more valuable uh, that he is doing that. So I, I'm a big believer in Glaber Torres and I think that he will keep up this hot start. Now let's talk about my outfielder with uh, a good start. I'll say uh, getting these confused hot and not, but I got Luis Robert who another kind of maybe boring one people have, you know, okay, yeah, he's good. We just know that. Yeah, obviously, like it's like picking Judge to can sustain his hot start. But you know, one thing I was surprised to see when I was doing this research is he's never played more than a hundred games in a season. And we always talk about that with Buxton, like kind of like, oh, he's an MVP candidate if he could just stay on the field. That's almost the same for for Luis Robert, and he was our both of our dark horses for MVP last year, and I. I we kind of lost a little bit of faith coming to it, coming into this year, but I think it's it's not impossible still. If, and I mean, it's going to be tough, obviously, in in the American League where he is. There's just so many guys at the top, but right now he's hitting 347, uh, 1061 OPS, five bombs to start the year, a 191 WRC plus, and he's looking like the platinum or, or early oh, platinum winner, pla- platinum glove award winner uh, in the American League as well. He's catching absolutely everything in center field so I think he's fun to watch when he's playing well and MVP's not out of the question for him so maybe that's where I get into my kind of bolder part of this and that's just saying no yeah this guy's gonna be good and we know he's good but I think he's potential to be elite and 
among the top two, three center fielders in baseball. Yeah, I mean, Buxton's normally that name where you're like, oh, well, if this guy plays a full season, just watch out. And Luis Robert, I think it's mostly because he plays on the White Sox, which everyone is down on the White Sox except you for some reason. Then Luis Robert goes under the radar. And, you know, it's Robert Robert. I have heard it pronounced both ways. I'm going to say Robert because that's how he pronounced it during the World Baseball Classic. I refuse to believe uh, that it's Luis Robert. So I'm going Luis Robert. And, yeah, he's been really good to open the year. He's always that guy that hits the ball hard, runs really fast, catches everything in center field, hits home runs. Um, And just thinking back to, I think it was the 2020 season where we did see him for a more extended period of time. I know it was the shortened season, but we got to see him for a while. And he was so good, especially in the playoffs as well. So I really hope that we get to see a lot from Luis Robert this season, and I think that he will continue this hot start. My outfielder that I think is having a hot start and can sustain it is Hunter Renfro, who was a guy who I was high on in the offseason because when we were doing our uh, preseason positional rankings, I was pleasantly surprised by the stats that he's put up because he just kind of mashes and the Angels got him for pretty cheap. And I was like, well, this is a perfect guy to add to that outfield because Hunter Renfro is a baller. He's got a 152 WRC plus to open the season. He's hit three home runs. I think those were in back-to-back-to-back games. He's walking at a 15% clip. So he's a guy who crushes home runs, hits the ball really hard, walks, plays above average defense, including one of the more miraculous catches you'll ever see in the opening series against the A's. Uh, He hits the ball at a 76th percentile hard hit rate, 74th percentile ex-WOBA. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that's in that MVP discussion, but for what the Angels had to give for him to where he is now, I think that they got an absolute steal in free agency, and he's really just proving my offseason opinions right and I think he will continue to for the rest of the year and if the Angels in general are going to prove me right and potentially make the playoffs this year uh, he's going to be a guy that needs to perform and uh, you look at him you look at the beginning of the year what they needed to make the playoffs they needed obviously the pitching to pitch well they kind of have to open the year and they did a little bit last year but you also needed guys like Taylor Ward to have the season that he had last year uh, obviously healthy, you need to stay. And then Hunter Renfro was the kind of the big offensive piece that they brought in to kind of complement uh, Trout and Otani. So kind of hoping that those two weren't the only ones in the in the lineup producing. And he's done that so far. And if the Angels are going to make the playoffs, obviously more things need to go right than just Hunter Hunter Renfro kind of hitting hitting the baseball. But he's going to be a key piece for them, and uh, it's going to be hard for them to make the playoffs if he's not hitting the baseball. I'll say that. Yeah, I, I just, I was, like, I can't describe it all that well, but when I was looking, doing the research for the positional rankings, I'm like, how did, how has Hunter Renfro flown under the radar this much? I mean, he's bounced around from team to team on one-year deals. He's been with the Red Sox, he was with the Brewers, now he's with the Angels. It's like, this is a dude that's carried an 850 OPS and hits a bunch of home runs, plays good defense. How is he getting kind of passed around by half the league? And I think the Angels got him for, for a real good deal. And he, he's one of the reasons why I thought that outfield was going to be really good. I think my bold prediction was they'll have a top three outfield WRC+. plus. They're trending that way right now with two guys that look the exact same, which is funny enough, Hunter Renfro and Mike Trout, literally look the exact same. It's hard for me to sometimes tell them apart. Uh, and then you've got Taylor Ward as well. So I'm a big believer in the outfield, big believer in Hunter Renfro. I think he keeps it up. And now my pitcher who I've believing in a hot start, it's Drew Rasmussen who... Currently, in just two starts, 13 innings, has not given up a run. He's got a 1.1 FIP as well, so it suggests that he's not getting lucky. He's he's kind of just dominating hitters. And he had a 2.84 ERA last season, and 
it, it, that little bit of a surprise to me. I knew he's been good, but I feel like just because he's in Tampa, he doesn't really get the cover get the coverage he deserves because he's been a really good starter for them. And you look at that production. Uh, I think it's gonna stay that way. Not 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 a zero ERA. No one can do that. But uh, around a high two ERA again over the year with McClanahan being a Cy Young candidate last year uh, and potentially Glassnow back. That's your three starter. And, and Jeffrey Springs, who I wanted to cheat on and kind of say both of them, I believe, in their hot start. So those four guys at the start of a rotation, especially come October, which, I mean, I didn't I didn't have them getting there, but when you win 12 games to start, start your season, uh, it, it's going to be tough for me to stick with that. Uh, if you have those four guys in a series and then a playoff series uh, as well, uh, that, that's going to be dangerous, and I, I believe in true rest and kind of be that guy. I, I guess it's in the the middle of the rotation for the race. Yeah, I remember last year when he had his. It was it a perfect game or was it a no hit bid uh, that was eventually broken up late in the game. But that's kind of when he really first landed on the map. But you look at his season long numbers, and it's like, well, this is this should have been a dude we've been paying attention to all year. Under a three ERA, it's like, what are the Rays cooking? How do they keep finding these guys? But Rasmussen is a guy that. It's a good thing that he did get put on the map because he is really good and he's part of that Rays team that somehow is 12 and 0 going for 13 and 0 which would tie the MLB record to open a season. That would be huge and and he's one of the reasons why I think that they can sustain not this production but they will probably be a playoff team come the year's end because the starting rotation is one of the things that that you can really bank on and it's kind of always the way we talk about about the Rays but you've got McClanahan, you've got Rasmussen, Springs and Glasnow and they fix in a bunch of different dudes. Uh, they just brought up Taj Bradley, who was their number one overall prospect to make his debut yesterday, and he outdueled Chris Sale. So it's it's just the Rays, um, and I think they've really hit on Rasmussen. I agree with you that he can keep up his start to the year. My pitcher, I shouted out Jesus Lazardo last week in what at the end of our episode, just kind of talking about breakout guys we believe in. So I'm not going to go with Jesus Lazardo again. I want to show some love to a second player. So I'm going to go to his old teammate, the new Minnesota twin, Pablo Lopez, who's been just unreal to start the year three starts 20 innings pitched most in the league a 1.35 era and he's striking out 11.7 batters per nine inning his velocity is up two miles an hour a full two miles an hour on the fastball he's added a very effective new sweeper which it seems like every pitcher has added this year um it's kind of a mix between a curveball and a slider you'd probably see it as a slurve or something like that or a sweeping curve in mlb the show and he's made three real quality starts despite switching to a new team, a new league, which everyone always says is hard, and making his first ever opening day start. So I believe in Pablo Lopez, and you even want to look at some of the expected stats, and they back it up as well. Go to his baseball savant page. His stat cast is just dotted with red. The two that stuck out the most to me, which for a guy like Pablo Lopez, who's always pitched to contact, were a 98th percentile chase rate. So He's getting guys to chase out of the zone in a 91st percentile whiff rate. So a lot of swing and miss generated from a guy who normally was a ground ball pitcher, would pitch to contact with that changeup. He's right now fastball. He's got the changeup and the sweeper as well. He's been fantastic to open the year. And, you know, I kind of told you before the year, I think he can be an ace in Minnesota. I really like the trade, and I still think that he can keep it up as the year goes on. This is a guy who I was maybe a little down on to start the year Maybe not necessarily down in terms of him, but kind of less than you. Kind of, I I, I tried to bump the brinks on on you saying he's going to be a like an an ace. I knew he was going to be there one, but uh, the, being a team starting pitcher one and being an ace are two different things. 
So uh, he's been that so far. And early in the year, uh, he's at th- three games started, but around his, his second start, around seven to ten games into the year, I was looking at kind of all all the teams. And the Twins, I feel like, are the team that I, I, I might be wrong about. Uh, I had them at third in the division at, I think, 80 and 82. So I was feeling that a little bit, and and, and don't 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 get that right now because I I was I'm just gonna say they're gonna do better than I thought, uh, and I think they they were a team that if I was gonna say if I was wrong on someone who wasn't gonna make the playoffs it's them but it's got to be the Rays at this point so I feel like there's still not room for them in the playoffs in my my opinion I, I still think the Guardians who are only a game and a half back are gonna win that division but. I, I think they're going to do better than I expected, and Paul Lopez is a reason why. He is a reason why, and he's a reason why they're going to win the division. I stick by it. Uh, who's I, your I, Who's your one not? I went to another pitcher. Uh, I had Aaron Nola, who was my pick to win the Cy Young, and so just bad predictions left and right for me, I guess. There's been some good ones with Dustin May, and uh, Dustin May, but Aaron Nola would Three starts at 15.1 innings pitch, uh, 7.04 ERA. But the big one for me is a 3.73 FIP, which isn't good uh, It's a, to start the year real. Or, I mean, it's good, but it's not Cy Young caliber. Uh, and a 3.63 X ERA. So it suggests that he's going to regress back to what he's expected. And it is a slow start, but 7.04 ERA maybe kind of blows that, blows that slow start a little bit out of proportion. And... Uh, He's had just a few a few rough starts, kind of carried by his uh, bad start on, on opening day against the Rangers, where he he I think he went like four shutout and then had like a seven run inning that he allowed or something like that, and then just two okay starts uh, since then. So Cy Young pick off to a rough start, and you know I'm not worried about him over the course of the season, but might be worried about him a little bit to win that award because uh, with much longer of a slow start, it's going to be hard to bounce back and win a Cy Young award rarely see guys have a, have a slow start we see guys have a slow start and put up a great season all-star all MLB team whatever but it's going to be hard to look at the end of the season and see he produced the best uh, among pitchers in the National League when you have three rough starts to start the year and not still not out of picture but which uh, with much longer of a slower start it's going to be tough for them to give them give them that award so another miss yeah, this is the first guy where I'm not in 100% agreeance with you. I know, you know, he's not going to have a 7.00 ERA or whatever it was to for the entire year, but he's not a guy I'm extremely confident in bouncing back to his levels of last year. Um, he was a guy that coming into the year, I was kind of hesitant about. I mean, just the way that he pitches, I know he had, you know, very high war numbers last year um, because he was able to get to such a high volume of innings. But when you throw that many innings in a regular season and then you play the entire postseason pitch all the way into the World Series, as well as he's a guy that, you know, he provides a lot of value with the volume, but his efficiency as a pitcher isn't as great as some of the other guys. I had my my doubts about Aaron Nola throughout the year last year and then kind of coming into this year. So he's not a guy that I'm, you know, pounding the table for saying this guy is most certainly going to bounce back. He's going to be in that Cy Young conversation like we all expected. Not a guy that I'm kind of echoing uh from what you think so I think he will bounce back I mean he's not going to be this bad for the entire year but I am not as confident that he's going to come back and be you know an all-star all MLB caliber player he'll still be good but 
I'm not sure he's going to be elite in 2023. So not not in full agreement with you on this one. My one player who's not having a hot start that I think is going to turn it around is MJ Melendez of the Kansas City Royals. He's a, a semi-right fielder, halftime catcher, um, and he's not having a fantastic start. A 62 WRC+, plus, a 162 batting average, and he struck out 19 times. But here's some of these expected stats and underlying stats. Hitting the ball harder than just about anyone in the league. 99th percentile average exit velocity. 95th percentile max exit velocity. And the single best hard hit rate in baseball. So somehow the guy with the, who's hitting the ball harder than anyone in the league has a 162 batting average and a 62 WRC+. plus. There's some big discrepancies in his expected stats to regular stats. His ex-WOBA is at 435 and his regular WOBA is at 266. So it's almost cut in half of what he should have. His expected slug is 674, and his actual slug number is 333. So MJ Melendez is a guy who's hitting the ball harder than anyone in baseball. Um, he's playing good defense, even great defense, despite not playing his natural position, splitting games between right fielder and catcher when he normally should be behind the plate if Salvador Perez wasn't there. I, I think he's a guy that's most definitely going to see some positive regression sh- soon because you can't hit the ball that hard and not get rewarded for it eventually. And he's a guy I believed in going into the season both him and Aaron Nola are on my fantasy team uh so two guys that I'm also hoping for uh kind of a bounce back and you mentioned all those stats it's kind of hard to hard to deny sometimes that's just baseball you get unlucky you hit the ball hard right at people but over 162 games it's very rare you see someone get very unlucky for a long period of time so when you're hitting the ball that hard you're gonna get rewarded and I, I think this is a guy who I'm hoping he does, obviously. But I, I think you're spot on with all those just kind of stat after stat of him doing worse than he should be. And so that's going to kind of fix itself over a long season. Obviously, we're only a dozen plus games into the season. Yeah, the Royals are a team I'm worried about in general. I mean, not everyone's hitting the ball as hard as Melendez is, but their batting average is. I think it was like 20 points worse than the second worst team in baseball. Like they're by far in the cellar right now for for hitting their pitching. Guys like Brady Singer, who we wanted to believe in, aren't off to the hottest starts. You know, I, I was high on the Royals coming into the year. Not, you know, not high, like playoff team high, but just thinking that they could be better than they have been in past years and take a, a, a jump with some of their younger talent. Little concerned about that prediction now, one that I'd maybe regretting a tiny bit. But Melendez is a guy that I really do think is is going to hit this year. And if he does get unlucky for the rest of the year, that would be a travesty because he is, I mean, he's doing everything right. It's just you can't control where the ball goes. So uh, you keep hitting the ball hard, and I think he will be rewarded. So he's my he's my one not player. But let us know down in the comment section on YouTube what you thought, What who's who are some of the hot players that you think can continue that their blazing start, and then who's a player that's struggling to open the year that maybe people are starting to back out on that you're still in and, and that you would you know buy low on to continue to play well for the rest of their year. So let us know down in the comment section. Ryan, before we wrap this episode up, is there anything else that you want to talk about? That's all I got, just enjoying some baseball. Uh, it's been so fun this season so excited to watch some more i am as well but thank you guys so much for listening to this episode we are going to be back next week hopefully you know maybe we'll get a quicker turnaround do a an early week episode but just trying to find some topics to talk about early in the year because you don't want to overreact too much and we did our overreaction episode last week that you can go check out but 
just trying to find some themes that are coming out in the early season. If you want to let us know, uh, you can follow us on social media or follow Ryan and I or follow our double play pages. Send us a DM, send us a message, tweet at us, whatever you want to do. Go leave it in the comment section on YouTube to, to say like, hey, this is something you guys should talk about. If you guys have any topic ideas, we'd, we'd love to hear them and you can reach out at any time. And then also you can go down to those social media pages and just follow because we're producing content on those throughout the MLB season. But thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. I've been Jack Smith joined by my sublime, I believe I called you co-host Ryan Donahue. We would double play baseball and we'll see you guys next time.